Welcome to the QuackaCast, featuring special people just like you as they share inspirational insights to help amp up the joy in your journey. Our episodes are meant to be a relaxing stop, a waypoint to recharge yourself and explore new ways of connecting and working with others. Each person's story reveals new perspective as we experience their values, the changing landscape of their journeys, and the meaningful metaphors guiding them to seek wisdom and joy, even in difficult circumstances. It's people like these who support and guide us. They are the change agents making a powerful difference in our workplaces and in our lives. So let's join our host, the Agile Quokka, as we meet another amazing person in this episode. And let's quack about it. Hey there, QuackaCast listeners. I am super pumped today to have another special guest on the show. Today, we have Jessica Katz with us. Jessica, welcome to the podcast. And why don't you take a moment or two to tell our listeners something about you and your interests and your outlook, even on work and on life? Okay, sounds good. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Something about me. Uh, Let's see. I'm tempted to do something crazy and weird here, but we'll stay with the topic. (laughs) Yeah, have fun. Um, Okay, so here's my weird thing. My husband is a juggler and sometimes spins fire. So if you need fire safety, that is another sort of odd job I can do. (laughs) That is really interesting and very cool. I'm going to I'm going to circle back on that. Okay, husband, a juggler and a fire juggler. All right. Yes. (laughs) Um, which means I know how to put people out if they catch themselves on fire. Um, very handy in the workplace. <laughs> it's very handy. And honestly, a little, it fits really nicely with what I do. So I'm um, a coach and a speaker and a trainer, and I'm often helping people put, get themselves out of sticky, fiery situations. <laughs> oh, I, I see what you did there. Great, great metaphorical use of that. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. And what else would you like to share about yourself? That's so cool. Um, oh gosh, what else would I like to share? Let's see. So, um, I'm the owner operator and sole employee of my company, Liberated Elephant. So we have, it's all about animals today. You've got the quackas, I've got the elephants. That's right. And, um, what else is to know? I started my career in project management. Okay. I learned very quickly coding was not the spot for me and ended up a project manager. Mm-hmm. I can relate. Yeah. I'm a recovering uh, project manager, as some of us like to say as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Still some skills in there that I that are beneficial, but uh, I like the I have become a convert to the agile way. So, um, so that's a bit about where I'm, where I came from and how I got into agile coaching. And then I do a bunch of enterprise consulting now too, which includes change management, not just agility. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jessica. That's, that's wonderful to get a sense of, of about you. Um, so for listeners, Jessica and I have uh, crossed paths on, on a few occasions here in the uh, wider Nashville uh, business community. We even worked at the same company for a little while, which was uh, my first introduction to Jessica. And I've just continued to watch her flourish in terms of coming alongside people, helping uh, people and teams become uh, better versions of themselves. So uh, you, you've also organized or been part of uh, volunteering and organizing conferences in the area. And uh, you're just giving of yourself so much and it's very inspirational. So when uh, when you reached out uh, with a willingness to join me on the podcast, I just, I was grinning from ear to ear, just so excited. So uh, thank you again for being with us. Let's kind of circle back then on um, 
parts of your journey here, maybe uh, before the show, we even touched on how this will kind of be like a journey line. So um, take a moment to tell people who might not be familiar with that, the journey line uh, exercise and how that's effective. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. And then after that, tell us a little bit more about your journey into agility. You mentioned project management, but like, you know, more specifically, who were some people or books or things that kind of were those significant people that came alongside you and impacted you and helped you on this journey? Oh gosh, where we start. So journey lines. So uh, the journey line um, is a technique that you can use, particularly with teams, very helpful with teams for them to get to know one another. Often when people come together to do work right at the beginning, they don't know much about each other. And you get into that lovely honeymoon phase where everybody's put on their best face. Mm -hmm. The journey lines to sort of uncover the history um, of individuals inside a team where they can then share it with one another. And it sort of deepens their understanding of where the other person comes from and what their skills are. Application for the journey line uh, is a really useful tool for doing sort of the history of our company. Where did we come from and what has our history Um, and uh, both really wonderful applications for giving teams or organizations a sense of identity. Love that. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for uh, taking us through that for anybody who wasn't as familiar with the journey line uh, concept and exercises. So, so yeah, well pick a spot on your journey line as, as to where somebody, you know, really significant had an influence on you and your career path. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to start at the project management spot. We may go deeper. We may go forward. I don't know where we'll end up, but the uh, I'm going to pick a spot around project management. I was working for an organization, a local organization um, that was privately owned at the time. They were really deeply waterfall and I was a waterfall project manager. And we hired in a software developer who I would call a hotshot software developer at the time. But now uh-huh. I think he was just... I'm going to go with uh, more progressive than the organization. And... Okay. <laughs> um, okay. And he came to me and said, we should be doing Scrum. And I read up on Scrum and I said, this is silly. This won't work at all. I had immediate immediate resistance um, to the idea of Scrum. As many people do when they're first introduced to the idea, it's a, um, it, it feels foreign. It actually sometimes sounds counterintuitive, uh, but is, but is pretty effective. So Scrum was my gateway drug as it were (laughs) to the agile (laughs) agile community. Um, And uh, I have this. I think we could probably thank my parents for this one. I have this tendency that when I have that much resistance, it's the cue to me to go learn that ah, uh, resistance that. is an opportunity to educate. And so I went into self-education mode and did a bunch of research and watched videos and read books. And gosh, I don't even remember what book I read back then. I'm certain I read the scrum guide um, and watched a few videos. And I was like, and I came back probably just a couple of weeks later and said, okay, I think you're right. Let's give it a shot. Um, and so we tried it. Now we were doing scrum on one team in a deeply waterfall organization. Um, and as you and probably several of your listeners know, that's just a recipe for scrum not to be effective. Um, and, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I was in that, in that organization, I was project manager, tester, product owner. I basically did everything except coding at that organization. I did like your husband, uh, who's a juggler, you were, you were juggling all the hats and roles back then. That's right. I juggled all the things. And, um, and you, you know, we also have learned this over the years, having that many hats means you're not really effective in any one space. Yeah, that's right. Um, 
And I took on another one and I stepped into the role of Scrum Master and was attempting to do a Scrum style project. What we ended up doing is what I would refer to as Scrummer Fall or Agile Scrum Fall or Water Scrum Fall, depending on. And um, <laughs> lots of Scrum inside the team, lots of waterfall translation outside of the team. The project was moderately successful, could have been more successful had we had deep alignment across the organization um, in a way that we would look for it in an agile environment. Um, but that was my first sort of taste of Scrum. Yeah. And here, here was the big movement for me. As a project manager, one of the, my least favorite things to do was to run after people and be like, are you done yet? Are you done yet? Are you done yet? Well, you said you were going to be done. Why aren't you done? Like, I already am a mom. I don't need to mom everybody ever. <laughs> That's right. None of that seemed fun to me in the long haul. And the beauty of agility and scrum and all the different practices that you do agility in is you are about, it's about facing reality, working with what is not working with what you wish was. And I think waterfall has a, one of the big sort of gotchas in waterfall is it works with what it wishes was instead of what is, what is. That's brilliant. I just wanted to kind of say that again, just facing what is which is, which is reality, right? Rather than what a sense of faults or um, how did you put it? Working with what is instead of what we wish was. What we wish was, there it is. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and it, and that felt like coming home. You mean, I can just speak the truth and then we'll make decisions off the truth. <laughs> what that's a concept. Right? <laughs> and, and so that moment was really the moment that I became addicted to the idea of agility. That was the part that got me. Thank you for sharing, walking us through that part of your journey line and, and the person, that developer who kind of had this awareness of Scrum just being enough of that uh, catalyst, you know, by introducing it to you, I, I wanted to highlight what you said as well, because I thought it was such a great point is you, you learned from pa- your parents, how they've influenced you in your earlier parts of your journey, that when you sense resistance, um, it's your cue that some learning needs to be done, some, some curiosity, some investigation. Um, and that's such a great attribute or quality to, to have as a person. So kudos to your parents for instilling that in you and how it, it supported you in this part of your journey uh, to learning and uh, discovering uh, your gateway drug into agility for, through Scrum. Very cool. Maybe advancing onwards from there and another point in your journey line, perhaps. But as, as you made your way, I, I imagine some period of time passing here, but uh, you, you're getting into more of coaching and this aspect of um, helping people. What was that like in your journey and who, who kind of influenced that for you? Well, my big influencer there was Lisa Adkins, who wrote the book, ah, coaching yes. Teams, right? So I um, got in, so I was scrum mastering and it turns out I have a pretty strong skill at getting teams to maturity. So, and you know, once you're a scrum master and you've gotten a team to maturity, there's not much to do because they're self-organizing and self-managing and, and it can get really boring really fast. <laughs> and yeah. I don't live comfortably in boring. So I um, uh, started doing some reading and research. I'm like, well, what's next after scrum master? I knew what the project management path was, you know, you project management, program management, portfolio management, director of the PMO, like that's the the ladder. Yep. yep that's the ladder. And that's the ladder. And I, um, agility was starting to make me wonder if maybe I wanted off the ladder 
And uh, so I'm like, okay, well, what else could I do that would be inspiring and interesting to me? And I read the book, Coaching Agile Teams. And then, you know, in the book, there's a link to her website, to Lisa Atkins' website. And I went and took her class. And this was back in 2014. I went and took her coaching Mm -hmm. class. And I have what I would call an explosive transformation. I went in and, and Lisa's classes, anytime you work with Lisa, you go to a talk of hers, you go to a class of hers. You, something will move in you as a result yes. of that experience. Yes. I've experienced it too. It, it, it's exactly as you say, she's truly powerful in that ability to uh, influence and inspire. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. yeah. And so I went to her class and I came out of that class going, oh my God, I have all these ideas. I'm going to bring them back to the office. I'm going to make them happen. This is going to be great. And um, I had like visions for what could possibly be in the space I was in. And actually this was in the organization where we worked together before right. And, uh, um, and so I did that. I came back and I sort of exploded forth this ideas, moved even further, some things that I did, that I didn't realize needed or could have been moved, congealed teams more deeply, all kinds of things like that. And, uh, um, got promoted and, um, became a program manager there Mm -hmm. uh, because they were still using project D terms for their agile roles. So I became a program manager there and ended up with a staff of people. And I took them all to the agile coaching and facilitation boot camp again with Lisa. Yeah. So we did facilitation and coaching, and I would have what I would call there an implosive transformation. So the the first class, the first time I took a class with her, I busted out with all these ideas that I could do out in the world. And when I took the second round, I had this centering that happened. I got really landed in who I am as a coach in that space. Um, and it was a really, it was a really solid shift for me. Um, and I would say there was a, I'm a pretty high energy person anyway, but now my energy came with also this like stable calm underneath it. It wasn't any more like I have all this energy and the entire ocean is shaking. It's right, like right. a couple of waves going on on the top, but we know the deep ocean is, is still, you know, uh, beautiful, um, beautiful way to explain that. I like it. Yeah. So that was kind of the movement that happened for me in that second round of classes. Wow. That's yeah, I get it. I'm, I'm with you here. And, and I loved how you said explosive for the first experience, but then implosive to kind of give us that, that outer change. And, and then this next time around this inner uh, change and, and deepening um, that's powerful. And it makes a lot of sense. I can relate. And, and hopefully a lot of people listening can relate to aspects of where they might be on their journey. Continuing onward, you know, tell us more about your experiences with any of any of those outer or inner uh, changes and shifting and um, other people that have been a part of that and, and maybe even how you've started to do that with other people. So what would you like to share there? Sure. Um, well, that uh, same organization did, in fact, invest in me um, to go through one of the cohort programs. Um, and the, for those who don't, aren't aware, Agile Coaching, to get to an expert level of Agile Coaching inside the IC Agile Learning Roadmap, you have to take a cohort. And it's um, anywhere, depending on which cohort, it can be anywhere from six to 10 months. Mine was 10 months long. Okay. Um, and I was on a journey with 12 other people in this class. And so um, I have, I still am quite deeply connected to them. It doesn't matter how much time has passed when I see them. It's still like, ah, yes, you are my people. And <laughs> Um, and it's a really wonderful connection that happens there. Now, was that the, um, uh, the IC agile, like, um, enterprise that came later, this was still, this was still team level coaching. So level coaching. Okay. And a cohort around that. Okay. Thanks. Yep. 
Sure. Mm -hmm. And um, I came out the other side of that. And the time I was coming out the other side of that 10 month program, the organization that that we were both in um, was really under a leadership transition that was, Mm -hmm. I would say, negatively impacting their agile journey. Yeah. And um, it was, it was really disappointing for me, actually. There was a, you know, made me a little heart sick, but I was, you know, I was still in it for the good fight, right? I'm like, no, we could, there's plenty to salvage. And it was there that I got passed over for another promotion. Mm. And um, it, that Passover made me realize how out of sync my values were with the organization values. And, Mm. um, and that's when I started my business. So my business ran all sort of alongside (laughs) for a while, me working for other people. Um, I, you know, worked at that organization, went on to a consulting firm, then went in as an internal coach. And then finally off I went off. I was as a, as an independent. That's terrific. I just wanted to to take a moment to remember, uh, because you brought it back for me that, uh, yeah, as I was coming into that organization at the time, it, it, what you described was, um, palpable for me. I, I came in very, very early in my journey in terms of um, that that shift from explosive to inner, I was still in that explosive and, and still had a long way to go with that. Um, so coming in enthused and excited, you know, not quite realizing that the organization had had made this shift, but yet it didn't take long for me to start to get a sense of there's something here that isn't quite gelling or connecting. And it took me a little bit longer to, to recognize it and, and understand it. But, uh, but yeah, I remember some of that of what you talked about and, um, the way you continue to fight that good fight, as you said, and you were, you were working and doing things, um, uh, for me and part of my journey, you, you were having an influence and impact on me and you may not have even known it. So um, but it. all for the good. And so <laughs> I just wanted to share that tidbit with you. It was very, uh, very meaningful for me. So, but yeah, so as you started uh, Liberated Elephant, I'm curious about that. You know, I, I'm thinking, and I don't know if this is the right connection, so please correct me if I've got this wrong, but I'm thinking about crucial conversations, these kinds of things where the old elephant in the room colloquialism and how it's hard, so hard for people to talk about it. But yeah, that's what I kind of play around with, with the Quaka cast is let's quack about it. And so maybe we're not getting into hard conversations at this point on the podcast, but, um, but I do try to be that sort of person at, in the workplace and in other settings where it's like, create a safe space for people to talk about the hard thing and that really difficult thing, that elephant in the room. So is that concept connected to the liberated elephant at all? Absolutely. Um, cool. So my, my tagline is uh, make the elephant in the room work for you. There so. It is. Um, we are, we are all about, or I guess it's just me. So I am all about <laughs> the, uh, well, um, you and the elephant <laughs> me and the elephant are all about, um, really pointing at it and going this, this appears, I want to reflect what I'm seeing in this room. What is the meaning behind this? Mm-hmm. Um, there's this really great little, uh, cart- it's a cartoon movie. It's called home and it has a little alien in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's not from this planet and he ends up in in a situation with a human girl a young girl who's human and he's done something that's made her mad and he looks at her and he goes what's the meaning of your face (laughs) and that's kind of what i want to be able to do with with revealing elephants right what's Mm -hmm. 
what did that facial expression just mean? What did that sigh just mean? Mm -hmm. Why are we suddenly silent and tense where we were once, where we were just now energized? What just happened? And really talking about those real things that are showing up that most people avoid because it's not quote unquote professional. Um, and when we focus on being professional, we deny the whole, a whole nother aspect of who we are. Um, and when we, when we cut that off, we lose creativity and innovation. So wow. um, yeah. it's really about elevating that conversation um, and helping, helping to make it real actionable and um, a journey that's safe to go through. Right. We want, Love we want that. healthy conflict, not icky conflict. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. And I, I remember that movie and watching that with uh, uh, my kids and tell, tell us a little bit more about what's it like then when people reach out to you at Liberated Elephant and they begin an engagement with you. Tell us a little bit more about kind of how, how you come alongside and how you help start giving them a sense of awareness, self-awareness, and these other things that, that guide them to the, the uh, healthy things rather than the icky things. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a couple of different routes people can come through to get to me. One of them is one-on-one coaching. I do professional development and executive and leadership coaching individually with a, one other human. And um, the first, the first really core bit of that is understanding where they want to get to. What does your future vision look like? Where are, and then we go, where are you now? A little bit like we're doing now. It's what's the journey mm -hmm. that got you here? Where are you right in this moment? What's the gap between here and there? Uh, and then let's start evaluating. What I have found in my time with individuals and the individual stuff happens in groups too, but um, what I found with my time with individuals is that our brains are just meaning making machines mm. that, that just make up all kinds of things about about the experiences they're having. We can thank our amygdala and our hippocampus for it. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if our hippocampus looks at a situation and goes, oh, that's like this other situation and it had a negative reaction, our amygdala will immediately get removed into fight, flight, fr uh, flight, fright, fight, or freeze. No, freeze, yeah. fall. You know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> There's yeah. four of them now. Um, <laughs> um, people who are go for the fight, they're in it to compete. They start, they show up for that fight. You're like, okay, let's go at it. Um, yeah, kind of like a zero sum game. Like they must yeah, win. Yeah. Must win. Um, the people that get activated in a way that is the freeze space, they just, they accommodate, right? They just accommodate whatever's going on around them, whatever you want. Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. People who move to flight while well, they're out right there they no longer are brought in or engaged in the conversation mm -hmm. and then you have fawners who um also accommodate so there's this uh not only am i going to accommodate but i'm also going to put on airs so that i look like you look as opposed to yeah. just so um or i'm going to behave in such a way that it gets me positive reactions from you so this is a really common cycle that we go through meeting making yeah inciting our, our threat centers. <laughs> and yeah. And I'm, I'm connecting, I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll get this. So, but help me on this. I'm connecting dots with what you just described. In fact, I think it was Lisa Adkins that uh, introduced this concept is um, the, how do we call it? Our default conflict stance or, or something to that effect of how well some of us will be highly competitive if, if we're very assertive, if, uh, but if, if, 
we're not, we'll kind of compromise or, and, and then there's another shift there in terms of the people who can move towards being collaborative. So my brain went there also, my, I don't know if my amygdala or my hippocampus took me there, but anyway, um, <laughs> help, help me with that a little bit. And what am I doing with that? <laughs> well, um, actually that'll play in really nicely to the other way people get to me, which is um, group change efforts or teaming efforts. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I go in and work with an executive team, a really common pattern that I can find there is uh, the person who folds and the person who competes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have the competitor, which is the, I must win, you must lose persona in argument. And then you have the accommodator or avoider, which is the um, you win, I lose stance, right? So, uh, and in avoidance, we both lose. So um, those are three of the um, most, most unhealthy forms of conflict inside a space. And you'll sort of see this executive that has passion and this is the way we're going to do it. And everybody around them is just like, okay, that's the way we're doing it. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and they just sort of like go with the flow and there isn't a good healthy debate because there's not a sense of safety that there can be. And so psychological safety comes up a lot in this space. How do we make spaces safe for people? Mm-hmm. Um, which means we have to be able to say things without retribution and somebody getting heated and passionate can feel like retribution. And so when you work with teams, there's a lot of unwiring some of that behavior. Yeah. Well, cool. So thank you for highlighting, you know, some ways that people get to you kind of just individually, but then these other ways where they have a team uh, situation, maybe kind of a a business culture scenario, and they, they realize they could use some some external kind of consulting and coaching help on that. So that's very cool. Um, is there anything about the, uh, the more executive kind of relationships that, that you're a part of that, that you'd like to highlight that's different from the other two we just talked about? Well, well, there, I'm a fan of saying everybody's just people, right? So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, executives are paid a lot more and might drive a fancier car, but they're putting their pants on one leg at a time, like the rest of us. And they have the same fears and hopes and wishes and dreams that the rest of us do. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, generally speaking, people choose behavior because it protects them from pain or gets them joy, right? That's, That's really the behavior choices. So that's the first thing I come in with. I I try not to pedestal executive teams, um, but I want to be real and I want to be real with them. So very quickly, I need to to create some sort of rapport and trust. And here's the reality. Executives, they may not be different than you or I um, from a human perspective, but they are in charge of a great deal of people and have a high level of influence on their their company Um, culture and community, as well as the community around their company. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is that influence that makes it so critical to work with executive teams to really get them to that um, or to get help them get to whatever vision they have of their future of their company's future. That's a great way to describe it. And I'm just, uh, I'm just soaking in that and and how you said that, that, yeah, they're uh, humans like, like humans are, but yet the the, the levels of influence and uh, the people. And so as you described that, I was just, I was like, yeah, that could feel like this enormous weight or this sense of, of pressure or other, other ways that people are going to experience that as humans. 
Um, what I found, the people who reach out to me often are individual executives who want to develop themselves as an executive. One of the, one of the realities, it's lonely at the top is not a joke. Um, you know, if you think about a really large company that has like five C-suites, that's their team. Those are the only people they can talk to. And sometimes if the culture isn't safe, if the CFO talks to the COO, we may have a territorialism or a fear of, of social consequences show up in that space if the whole team isn't in that state where they're ready to have that kind of vulnerable cur- courageousness. Mm. Um, so often people will come to me individually and be like, I need, I need to develop myself as a leader. Here's where I want to be. Here's, here's what I'm getting in my 360s. Here's what my peers are telling me. I want to move this forward. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are individual executives. To get really for an executive team to be um, looking for coaching, it means the CEO gets it. Uh, it means the person that's at the top of that C-suite understands how important it is for them all to be aligned and communicating in a healthy way. Even yeah. if they have deep, heated debates, having the trust and safety to do so is critical to their effectiveness. The organization we were in together, we had uh, at the director level, the directors were all very siloed there. And you saw sort of a lack of alignment and sort of a constant uh, people running in different directions situation. Oh, yes. Going on. Yes. And uh, um, the organization at large wasn't ready to see the re- see that truth um, mm. because their leaders weren't ready to believe that truth, despite having talked to them about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that's the other aspect, isn't it? Sometimes we come alongside people and we're a voice um, and, and sometimes we're even fortunate enough to say the message repeatedly. Uh, but the hard part for us, sort of the draining, I, I kind of think of that word draining thing is you say it, but you can tell they're not getting it. They're not quite hearing what you want them to hear, but we, we persevere, we, we continue on and maybe they're not going to get it from our voice in particular, but maybe in some part of their journey in the future from a different voice that says it similarly, or maybe even differently, but finally the light bulb will go on. That's all we can maybe hope for, for those folks. Yeah. And I've had that happen over the years. Um, there's a, um, uh, an engineer I used to coach when I was an internal coach and he, a year had passed and we, and he was a computer, uh, like a heavy computer, any kind of heated discussion. If he had an opinion, he needed to win. Um, <laughs> and he was also in the role of a scrum master, which is wow. counter to the role of a scrum master. A scrum yeah. master is supposed to be pretty neutral to those sorts of things. Right. Um, so I was coaching him through that and a year passed and he was like, I get it. I was like, what do you get? That's, that's all he said to me. He sent me a message. Like, I get it. I was like, what do you get? And he's like, I need to leave room for other people's voices. I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the stars have come out, the, the lines, the clouds have cleared, you know, that, um, that sort of feeling in that moment. And, yeah. um, you know, one of the, one of the things I like to say is I'm invested in the people they're invested in the outcomes. I can't take responsibility for what they do with the coaching that we do. Um, they have to take action on it. They have to move with it. I can only light the path wow. and, um, it can Love be, re- that. it can be really thankless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's not the thankless that I was thinking about loving, but just what you said a moment ago that, uh, uh, the way you said it, I'm invested in the people, but they're invested in, in their outcomes. Did I, did I recapture that properly? Yes. Yeah. That is, that's beautiful. So is that your own thing? Is that a Jessica ism? 
It is a Jessicaism. I'm sure I love it. Said it, but I, that is a that is a Jeff yeah, Jessicaism. Yeah. There it is, folks. A quote from Jessica Katz. Um, <laughs> and what a what a great feeling! How cool that uh, you had that person reach out and say, "I get it," <laughs> and you could celebrate that with them in the moment, which shows that special bond or that connection um, that that you had formed with that person that they wanted to to let you know. Um, I love it when that happens for me in relationships too. I think it's just really cool to see something finally connect for people and to, to celebrate that growth in their life with them. Yeah. Cool. Um, anything else then about what you're doing in, at Liberated Elephant and your journey there that you'd like to share that would be? Well, I'm currently avoiding writing a book. I have intend, I have intentions to write. <laughs> okay. What so are you, yeah. What, can you share what, what, would, what would be sort of the premise? Uh, do yeah. you know that yet? Yes. Um, well, the, so I, I, I want to explain why I'm avoiding it. I am avoiding it because it, the idea hit me while I was angry and I'm not angry anymore. And okay. uh, now I have to redesign the messaging so that it's okay. not angry. <laughs> and I haven't taken the time to do that. So that's one of the reasons yeah. why it hasn't happened yet. Um, the, uh, um, focus group is middle managers. I think very often they get missed in the, in the material. They're like, be a leader. And they're really talking about people that are running companies when they say be a leader, mm-hmm. um, or they're talking to people who are trying to figure out how to have conflict without any power at all. But there's this space in the middle that agilists call the frozen middle where mm-hmm. if the cultures are shifting at leadership or at teams, the middle management gets all stuck. Oh, um, yes. the, the role of middle manager is it's threefold. There are three hats a middle manager wears. One is the advocate for teams and employees. They're removing blockers. They're enabling learning. They're helping, helping uh, coach those folks into soft skills that they may not have naturally. Um, So that's sort of the advocate space. And they may also be fighting for recognition or reward for them from the company, Mm -hmm. right? So they have to fight the company they're in to get that kind of recognition reward sometimes. The other hat is the enforcer hat. This is where they're trying to maintain the status quo of the company and they're protecting the policies and procedures and formats and culture and hierarchies or lack of hierarchies inside the organization. Mm -hmm. So that's the enforcer role. And then the third role there they have is the being an employee themselves and their own professional development journey. And um, those three things are in conflict a lot. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So this book is really focused on how to stay human and give proper space and make good choices around all three of those roles and then do it transparently. So everybody understands what your motivations are. Uh, that's the idea. Love and, it. Um, I can't wait to read it. Yes. I, I just have to make it become a book. And <laughs> that's <the hard> part. <laughs> yes. Well, from what I understand, yeah, that's, that's quite the, the journey for people uh, in and of itself, once they sort of focus in and start trying to, to get a book written. So the world around us will benefit by your insights on, on those. Um, I've, I've recently gone through the middle management layer uh, uh, and experiences that you described and yeah, it's really, really hard. And so um, it would be great to have an excellent book out there from someone like yourself for people. Cool. (laughs) Baby steps. Yep. Yep. Like, like we say, right. We achieve big through small. And and I guess that's that other um, way that the elephant um, analogy gets used one bite at a time. time. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go, Jessica, this has been such a fun conversation up to this point. We've covered a lot of fun, um, 
parts of your journey and ways that people have influenced and the way this, that you're continuing to influence and help. Um, did we cover anything that you had another thought and wanted to circle back on, or did we spark another thought that you'd like to share before we wrap things up? Yeah, you asked me briefly about the enterprise coaching journey, and I just want to give a couple of words to that. Okay. Um, so enterprise coaching is really about systems theory. And when you move into the enterprise level change management type work, um, you have to become an executive yourself. And um, what you're really building is agility or whatever the change is as a strategic asset of the organization. And it gets really theoretical and big brain work <laughs> starts to happen, right? Lots of, yeah. lots of really sort of big forest, understanding the forest and the ecosystem of organizations. It does. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I've embarked on that journey recently myself. And uh, so what you're saying really, really affects me and resonates. I've, I've been going through um, kind of what you described, which is why I asked earlier about the cohort kind of thing. I'm doing the uh, enterprise coach master camp with uh, Michael Spade, Michael Excellent. Hammond, and uh, wow, yes, it's all of what you just described. My my brain hurts, <laughs> but it's in a good way. And I'm and I'm I'm feeling that inner shift, that implosive uh, thing that you described earlier as well. But I may have interrupted you though. Was there more about the enterprise journey you wanted to talk about? Um, well, interestingly, uh, Michael Spade and Michael Hammond are two of my influencers in that area. <laughs> so um, I when I went through my team coaching cohort program, I. Um, they were two of my instructors. Yeah. So I got to learn from Lisa and Michael and Michael and David Chilcott and Marsha Acker. And oh, wonderful. Right. Mar Mar like Marsha has that amazing book uh, about the art and science of facilitation okay. recently. And yeah. Oh, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you and, and, and jealous. Uh, what would our kids <laughs> say? I'm jelly, but anyway, yeah. That's <laughs> so cool. Say that. My oldest I don't know. Say that. I, I, <laughs> I don't even know if that's what kids say these days. Their language has changed so fast. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you circled back on that topic so we could highlight it for people out there, um, especially if they weren't aware and now they're intrigued. Um, I, I'm going to make sure I in, include little links, people's names that we've commented, books and other things in the show notes uh, so that folks can reach out to you. Um, is, so I assume it'll be okay if I share your LinkedIn yes, and please. liberated elephant and all these wonderful things for people to find you. Cause yeah. yes, folks, if you're looking for, um, someone to help you with, uh, coaching and, and so forth, like Jessica was describing, as you can hear, she's amazing. So yeah, reach out to Jessica and, um, these other books and, uh, uh, training opportunities, check those out. You'll definitely benefit greatly from them. And uh, Jessica, thank you for giving up some time today to hang out with me. It was just, I get to see you on video here as we do this. The folks will just listen on audio, but just great to see your, your wonderful, smiling, radiant person there. You're as, as human as we can get sometimes. It's hard That's to right. be in person these days, but thank you so much. I wish you all the best with Liberated Elephant and things that you're continuing to do. And I'm sure our paths will continue to cross in all kinds of fun ways. Uh, but Jessica, thanks for being with me to quack about it today. Sure. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. It's been a really great experience. Thanks for spending time with us today. Please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. If you would like to appear as a guest, or if you have comments or questions about the podcast, it would be my privilege to quack about it with you. Send me an email at jeff at agilequaka.com. To learn more about our guests, 
and any items we referenced within the podcast, visit the episode notes. To discover more about me, the Agile Quokka, check out my website at agilequokka.com. Until next time.